The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. Over the past few hours, there have been so many developments around this Tabo Besta and Nandipa Makudamana story because in the early hours of this morning, we saw that charter plane arriving at Lanseria bringing Dr. Nandi and Tabo Besta back to South Africa after they were arrested in Tanzania a few days ago. So that's the one side that we've been watching very closely. And then the police minister, Becky Tkele, and the justice minister, Ronald Lamola, held a press conference updating the country on all of that. Now, at the same time, what's been happening is a CCTV operator was arrested. He's due to appear in court today. Dr. Nandi's been taken to Bloemfontein. She's due to appear in court this afternoon. And then in Parliament, we've had day two of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services. And that committee has been hearing an update from the Judicial Inspectorate of Correctional Services. That is known as JICS. And Chicks is headed by the retired Constitutional Court Justice Edwin Cameron. So Justice Cameron has been addressing the committee today. So we're going to bring you all of these different aspects and different developments. We'll speak to our reporters in Bloemfontein. We'll hear about the update from the ministers as well. But we are going to start in Parliament because that's where there have been developments over the past few hours. Justice Edwin Cameron explaining the situation with the investigation into the Tabobesta escape. And the long and the short of it, guys, what you need to know is that our officials knew about this ages ago and did nothing about it. And that has come out today. What we've heard is that the Justice Minister Ronald Lamola was told about this months ago and the police were told about this months ago and it just seems like nothing happened at all. I'm going to play you two clips of Justice Edwin Cameron. I haven't listened to the first one where he speaks about uh, how he did give an update and where he's answering questions from MPs. I thought that she seemed... Uh shocked and dismayed by the way in which I brought up the, the Tabovesta matter at that early November meeting, where I said to her, this is going to be a catastrophe for the administration of justice. It's a point that's not yet been made uh, for the whole administration of justice, sir, that uh, if, if, if a glorious felon, criminal, can get out of one of the three most secure facilities in the country, what does it say about all of us, judges, parliamentarians, uh, correctional officials, police, justice administration? It, it's, a, it's a lamentable commentary on what all of us are doing, and, and that's what I, what I try to convey. Then um, the next point is uh, the minister did not act in the way that it would have been ex- expected. Uh, despite being informed on the 26th of October 2022. Is that correct assumption? I wouldn't agree with that. Uh, uh, The the minister expressed concern. Uh, He made a joke with me this morning. He he said this this morning that when I first mentioned it to him orally, he thought that I'd smoked something. And and that's a, a, a legitimate response at that point. So I think he was entrusting the operational response to it to his hands-on officials uh, we wanted him to make more fire beneath their posteriors uh, and and i don't know whether he did that or not he will be able to say 
So Justice Cameron telling the committee there that the minister knew about this in October of last year already. Of course, Justice Cameron um, did also make other comments about this investigation. He agreed that he was concerned that, that perhaps they could have been complicit as chicks because there wasn't more action quicker. And he did face some questions. Uh, we know that yesterday, Glennis Breitenbach from the DA had a full go at G4S and she posed questions to Justice Cameron today as well. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed that the attention of the committee wasn't drawn to this matter specifically. Um, and I assume that well, you can tell me why you didn't. I, I accept responsibility for that. The, the, the annual report and the quarterly reports are my responsibility. I sign off on them. And that was my decision. And uh, I think that you uh, are correct to chastise me and Trix as a whole for not doing it earlier. Uh, in retrospect, the, the, the hindsight thing, I, I would handle it differently. I don't know quite, I, I didn't mean to demean your line of questioning by saying I wasn't going to waver. I didn't mean that, but there were things, as your questioning rightly implied, that I could have done effectually and appropriately and in a dignified way. And uh, I, from Judge Danisa's report of the 12th of October, uh, I thought that we were... Uh, in an appropriate and ethical way uh, bring the matter to to the public's attention and also to this committee but I take responsibility for for uh, the fact that we should also have much earlier uh, drawn it to the committee's attention officially and formally thank you um, the fact that that you did um give the information to ground up and the fact that they did such a, a stunning job with it uh, certainly is to, to your credit and theirs um so that's Glennis Breitenbach asking questions of Justice Edwin Cameron, who is the head of the Judicial Inspectorate of Correctional Services. So an acknowledgement there that JICS could have put more pressure, they could have acted quicker, but also what it tells us is that the Justice Minister, the police, knew about this ages ago. Let's find out more about what happened in that briefing today. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, uh, has been watching that for us. Uh, Babalo, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, tell us what else uh, Justice Cameron has said. I thought it was quite notable about the fact that he did say that there are heroes in the story as well. Ah, yes, indeed, Mandy. He did mention quite at the beginning, you know, of his presentation or his opening address that, you know, um, there's still a lot that they need to get to the bottom of. But he said they do have to note, you know, these heroes that, you know, like, the, for example, he mentioned a, a, a brigadier as well as a constable in, from the South African police that, you know, helped and they basically stopped Dr. Nandipa from continuing to claim these corpses and, you know, basically raised the red flag. So he also made mention of that and also, you know, touched on some of the the, the journalists who've also, you know, been a, a key, played a key role in uncovering this uh, matter that he called outrageous. Um, so um, the retired judge, Evan Cameron, basically saying to the committee that Mangawun Correctional Facility is a dysfunction or there is dysfunction at Mangawun. And he says, you know, um, as you mentioned earlier, that they, their handling of the situation came short, even for them at Chicks. And they do feel complicit in the insufficient response, but also pointing the fingers at the executive or cabinet and as well as the department 
and G and G4S, which is really the main culprit in these parliamentary hearings happening today and yesterday, which are also happening simultaneously with these arrests and other developments, Mandy. Babalo, Justice Cameron is finished now. Uh, what do we expect to happen next? Well, we do expect DCS now to come forward to give further evidence or to give additional evidence to the committee. Um, I do also imagine that DCS, just like G4S, will also face some tough questions from MPs you know, for their role and their complicity in this matter. And we might also hear maybe further evidence from G4S. They, are, they were requested at the beginning to provide information which was considered by members to be basic information like names from a register on, or a name of a prisoner. And they, do, they are still expecting to get given more information. And um, Chairperson Makwanisha did say that G4S might be coming back to give further evidence, but he will basically confirm that after the, the briefings later this afternoon, Mandy. Babalo, thank you. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, watching that briefing, that hearing today. Uh, and this, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again. This is accountability. The, this is the kind of stuff you want to see, where we are finding out information, where people are being held account, where they're clearly being exposed. The fact that ministers knew about this, the police knew about it. But also, I love what Justice Cameron said around the fact that there are heroes in the story. There was a police officer who red flagged the fact that Dr. Makudamana had taken possession of multiple bodies. There was another police officer who tipped off the state attorney about this application. So there there are always heroes in stories like this, as crazy as they are. So let's go to Bloemfontein now, because Khobotso Mudise, EWN reporter, is there, a CCTV operator appearing in court today, but also Dr. Nandi Magodamana has been moved to Bloemfontein after arriving back in the country today, and she's due to appear in court this afternoon. Khobotso, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Well, let's start with the CCTV operator. What, what do we know about this arrest, and has there been a court appearance yet? Good afternoon, Mandy. So as far as we know, he was arrested yesterday and he had been processed yesterday right here at the Park Road um, police station in Bloemfontein. And so that process took place yesterday and he's just been waiting to make his appearance. He said to appear together with uh, Dr. Nandi Magurumana at the Bloemfontein Magistrate's Court. She arrived a little earlier here where she was then processed. Um, there was a, a really large convoy here making the way to this police station, and then the media uh, was really told to look back up and stay away, saying that you know, police saying they need to do their job without us interfering. So, as we speak, I'm actually at the entrance of the Park Road police station, where we're almost waiting on guard to see that convoy leave from here to the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court, where Makurimana and the 44-year-old camera installer will make an appearance. Khamotso, do we know at this stage what Dr. Magodamana is actually going to be charged with? We haven't established that yet, and I've given a couple of inquiries. However, you know, when we hear the minister speaking about the crimes that she has been linked to, those crimes include tampering with a dead body or with more than one dead body. And we're also seeing the potential of murder being on that charge sheet. Um, very similar to the murder charge that we saw her father being charged with on Monday. However, we'll get a greater sense and a better sense of the charges at the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court. It's expected to be a pretty lengthy indictment because of the number of crimes that the Minister Bilikele has linked her to. 
And so that will be established a little later. Komoto, thank you. Komoto Medisa, EWN reporter in Bloemfontein for us. So that's an update from Parliament and what's been happening there. Of course, attention also on Bloemfontein. Earlier this morning at around 4 a.m., a charter plane landed at Lanseria Airport, bringing Tabo Besta and Dr. Magudamana back to South Africa. Incredible footage. It's stuff straight out of a Netflix series. To see them being uh, escorted by police officers into the back of armored vehicles um, and you know, covered... And, it's just, it's unbelievable to see this. Uh, then there was a briefing by the police minister, Becky Tkele, and by the justice minister, Ronald Lamola, about developments around this case because there's just been so much attention on it. Have a listen to what Becky Tkele had to say earlier when he was asked about what Dr. Nandi's reaction was to the arrest. But uh, arrests are led by investigations. Investigations are continuing wherever investigation leads us. No matter how high that will be, we'll reach that. There is a question originally asked of the, uh, I think it was answered the corporation. We, 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 we know that the, the good doctor cooperated on the other side. Uh, we, we know that the customary husband of the good doctor did not cooperate even from the other side. There is this question, then how do you know, how will you know when it has been answered that you go to court and you see her. Uh, that, that question is linked how they were brought back, especially, uh, especially now I don't know exactly his name, but he is, is called uh, Tabo Pester sometimes, is called um, uh, many other names. But, the, the South African team, there were two South African teams that left on the 9th and uh, has been based there, is still based there negotiating. One thing that they did was also a technical team. They took his fingerprints that they were sent back in the country and those uh, they meshed. So they, that satisfied the officials of Tanzania, otherwise they had to be satisfied that is a South African and we have evidence on that. That has been satisfied uh, with that. So it has been forensically approved. So the good doctor, as he says, cooperated. And importantly, the forensics show that it is actually Tabo Besta and Dr. Nandipa Magudamana who have been brought back to South Africa. Well, let's hear what else was said in that briefing. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, was there for us. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. Uh, give us uh, the essence of what uh, Justice Minister Ronald Lamola and Police Minister Becky Kele had to say. Yes, so Mandy, they really, well, as you can hear in that clip, they want to assure South Africans that they've got the right man, because as you say, with uh, the, the way this plot has unfolded, uh, there's no way of knowing that uh, that is, in fact, we did not see uh, Tabo Bessie has not yet uh, appeared in court for those additional charges. He's gone straight to prison. Uh, and uh, the the justice cluster saying they're not in the habit of parading prisoners. So we'll have to wait and see when he gets to court so that we um, can believe that it is really him. But he's explained that a technical team uh, still remains in Tanzania 
uh, Mandy, um, because as we know, that Mozambican national who was allegedly at the wheel of the car when they were uh, arrested uh, in Tanzania um, on Friday, uh, he remains in that country. Um, uh, the Justice Cluster can confirm that he was uh, in South Africa legally, but like uh, the two fugitives, left South Africa illegally. And uh, we are believed that we will get further details from Home Affairs, possibly tomorrow, um, to explain how they might have dodged the country and evaded mm-hmm. uh, immigration authorities. But the matter of getting the Mozambican national back here would uh, essentially become an extradition matter. Lindsay, I'm interested in the tone of the briefing today because I, I get the sense that officials are now um, triumphant in a way that they have been able to get these two back to South Africa and there's a lot of fanfare, the media obviously being told, I assume, uh, that there was going to be this charter plane landing this morning. But at the same time, we're seeing in Parliament now the fact that Justice Minister Ronald Lamola was apparently told in October last year that Tabo Besta had, had escaped. So, so what was the tone of, of that briefing? Well, Mandy, bearing in mind that the briefing preceded what you are now seeing uh, happening live uh, in Parliament, the minister, uh, Lamola in particular, um, did not want to answer um, questions related to evidence that was led or heard yesterday, let alone um, in, in the manner in which he's possibly being implicated today. Um, but he did say that he didn't want to preempt what he would be asked before this inquiry. He would uh, answer all questions uh, when they were put to him, but he didn't want to do so uh, first outside of that particular forum. But uh, in his words, Mandy, what I did and what I didn't know and when I knew what I knew, he promised he would, uh, when his time arises, he will then share that detail. So the briefing was, the, their intention was really to keep it very tight, mm. very short to confirm that this charter plane had landed, that this couple was back in South Africa, and mostly to thank the Tanzanian official. And I must add the uh, Ronald Lamola throwing in, um, uh, if you were to link it to what happened in the Gupta extradition matter, throwing in the point that the kind of cooperation that we see from Tanzanian officials and successfully being able to get fugitives back to South Africa mm. is also largely reliant on the kind of cooperation and the way in which uh, um, a- another country is prepared to work with South Africa. Lindsay, thank you. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter. So important that the fact that you need that cooperation. And that's what uh, Ronald Lamola and Shimula Batoy from the NPA have been saying, that they didn't have that cooperation from the UAE. And listen, credit due to, to the authorities, the fact that Tabo Besta uh, was rearrested and that Dr. Nandipa Magudamana has been brought back to South Africa. I think we need to acknowledge that. But does that renew your faith in the criminal justice system? If you watch Justice Cameron appearing today before Parliament and what he's been saying and what we now know about this entire saga and the way that it's blown up and just the astonishing twists and turns and and, and how the system is porous and so open to corruption. The Midday Report. Afternoon, Mandy. Yeah, interesting, interesting times we're living in. So I'm just curious with this whole Tabu Besta thing, you know, up until I think as recently as last week, G4S still stood their ground and maintained that it was not, or that it was Tabu Besta who died in this, um, in this, uh, fire in his cell. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I haven't heard any retraction or any apology or any 
any other further remarks from G4S as far as that is concerned. So I'm just curious to you, have they actually acknowledged in the meantime that it is type of best that has been caught? Hi, Mandy. Tabu Bester being on constant and 24-hour guard and police guard. That's quite ironic because uh, I think that's a lot of time to try and bribe someone again. Thanks, Joe. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, uh, I suppose you can get to know somebody pretty well. Uh, look, I think if, if he did this again, it's uh, surely not, surely not. But we say that all the time in this country. Uh, on the issue of a G4S and their version about Tabo Besta, whether it was him or not, I know that they, they were asked that question yesterday. I didn't watch the entire briefing before Parliament, but I saw that they were asked that question. And my understanding was that it was a technicality, that they said that they weren't the officials um, and they went with whatever the officials said. So they didn't say that Tabo Besta was the body. They just said that they didn't say that it wasn't Tabo Besta, if that makes sense to you, that they deferred to the officials, the authorities on this because they don't deal with the pathology. That was my understanding of it. But there's still lots of questions that need answers around this, this Tabo Besta issue. So keep those WhatsApp voice notes coming. The Midday Report. In a couple of minutes, we'll speak to our reporter who's at the big South Africa investment conference that's currently underway. The president has been speaking there. He delivered the opening address today. And he's been speaking about the electricity situation in the country. Uh, there's a bit of a scramble going on between him and between the Minister of Electricity to calm investors around load shedding. Of course, as we're on stage six and stage five, very concerning for investors. So we'll speak about that in a few minutes. But first, uh, we're going to speak to the Western Cape Premier Alan Windy about the plans in the Western Cape to roll out emergency power packs to poor households before the end of winter because uh, as you've seen the minute it gets cold we are plunged into stage five stage six of load shedding so let's find out about that with the the Premier of the Western Cape. Uh, Premier good afternoon to you thank you for your time uh, tell us about this this plan to reduce the impact of, of load shedding you're looking at at rolling out these emergency power packs what exactly do they contain? Hi, Mandy. Um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I, um, as a province, we don't normally get involved uh, to this uh, extent in energy, but uh, when we saw at the end of last year that we were in deep trouble and that uh, load shedding was getting worse and worse, we've become very involved in energy as a province. And, uh, I mean, the first budget that we put together now is $1.1 billion. Um, and a lot of that is saying, you know, on the on the big side, you know, how do we take a hundred schools and make them, um, you know, energy resilient, uh, uh, enable them to not have load shedding, and we'll focus on lower quintiles uh, because, of course, the higher quintiles are doing it already. Um, how do we how do we find one or two or four towns uh, in the province that we can get load shedding free this year? Um, how do we really enable municipalities uh, to find one, two, and three levels of load shedding protection as quickly as possible, moving forward over the next few years to full energy resilience? But that all works with our big municipalities. It all works with you know, our government interventions. But there's always this missing space, and that is the indigent households. And um, you know, you've got a matriculant student in your household. You're an indigent family and suddenly your child is not going to be able to study because especially as we see now going to level six again, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're in load shedding. When you go to bed at night or you get home in the evening, you're in load shedding. And how does your, how does your, your learner, how does your child study? Um, so those emergency packs, we've put 60 million rand aside uh, for them. 
Um, we are starting with the procurement process. That budget was approved, what, 14 days ago. Um, so we've started the procurement process and identifying what it is. We have 250,000 indigent households. Um, the initial amount will probably cover about 100,000 of those 250,000. And we're estimating around about 600 rand per emergency pack. Uh, the idea is it must have some kind of charging capability for someone to charge a cell phone. Uh, it must have some kind of lighting capability. And then also, how do we keep food warm or enable? So it could be some cooking bag or, or something to do with uh, enabling uh, that household with a, with a bit more um, capability around around food. And, you know, winter is coming and we can already see it mm. as it's cooling down, as you just said, it's getting worse and worse. Um, and we know that uh, all the warning signs are there that uh, winter time this year, we are going to be in deep trouble with, with load shedding. So that's the plan. I don't have enough money in the budget to do all 250, so I've already had and engaged with uh, the business chambers in the region and they are very keen to partner as well. And we're busy engaging, we'll be engaging on Friday with the municipalities um, so that we can get to, hopefully we get to all 250,000 households um, with some kind of relief um, uh, this, this winter. Are you looking at uh, lower LSM households, as you've mes- uh, mentioned, uh, indigent uh, people. Uh, what, what are the, the requirements for qualification? And if people want to benefit from this, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this who, who would like to receive these packs. Uh, how do they get in line? So that's why it's got to be criteria-driven. Um, it can't be who puts their hand up first. So we're getting the data from our from our existing uh, data that we have in our system as to who the indigent households are. We're just cross-referencing that data with our municipalities because they will also have uh, the detail of people who've registered on the indigent lists because they will be getting a certain amount of water or a certain amount of electricity uh, allocated already. So we're working off those databases. We'll work as quickly as we can to get the other partners on board over the next uh, you know, weeks and, and months. Um, we, our teams are busy drawing up uh, what will go out to tender. And then we also are engaging, as I said, our, our officials are engaging with the municipalities this Friday um, because we also have to make sure that you know, we've got a, a large province, mm-hmm. uh, length and breadth, that we're getting it to the right household. Um, we can't get it to the wrong household. So we've got to, obviously that kind of work is, is quite critical now over the next uh, week or two. Right. Um, it's getting the design of the procurement process right, number one, and then getting the distribution system right as well. So there's got to be, a, all the officials are busy doing that work at the moment. Okay. Premier, thank you very much. Uh, Western Cape Premier Alan Pleasure. Wendy speaking to us there about uh, this plan by the Western Cape government to roll out emergency power packs to poor households before the end of winter. The Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. As I mentioned before we spoke to the Premier, the President has been speaking today at the South Africa Investment Conference, a big investment conference today, bringing together investors from across the country, around the world as well. The President delivering that opening address today. A big focus of that was electricity as he tries to calm investors, convince investors as we deal with stage five, six of load shedding. Uh, and he spoke today about the Minister of Electricity and the plan uh, around the, the commitment to fixing coal-powered fire, uh, coal-fired power stations and what is being done around that. Minister in the Presidency for Electricity, whom I appointed recently, with the support of the Minister of 
mineral resources and energy and the Minister of Public Enterprises, as well as the National Energy Crisis Committee, which resides in the Presidency, is overseeing the implementation of this plan. Our immediate focus is on improving the performance of our existing coal-fired power stations as they continue to provide the base load of our energy, including one nuclear energy power station. Demand-side management initiatives will receive elevated attention, including through consumer behavior, rooftop and rooftop solar rather, and facilitating embedded generation. We have been implementing wide-ranging reforms in the electricity sector to enable private investment in electricity generation and also to accelerate the procurement of new generation capacity from solar, wind, gas and battery storage. That's the President speaking, uh, delivering the opening address today at the Investment Conference. Listening to that, Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter. Nokukanya, thank you for your time. Uh, very much an attempt by the President today to convince investors that, don't worry, we've got this load-shedding situation under control. Good afternoon. That's correct, Mandy. The electricity crisis has been at the centerfold of those conversations between President Silda Maposa, South African officials, uh, as well as the uh, investors, both domestically and globally. And he's tried at length uh, to convince them that the country has got the crisis, the, the electricity crisis, um, underhand, and so it won't impact the investments coming into the country, uh, and as a result, not impacting economic growth in the long run. He says he admits that it is a, a, a massive crisis at the moment and South Africa is grappling with that, uh, particularly, um, you know, the, 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 the low consumer sentiment, the low investor sentiment, um, you know, that is as a result of the electricity crisis. But he says, bring your money into South Africa, we'll pump that into the uh, electricity sector and you'll start to yield those results in the long run. As you, um, you and the listeners may have heard in that clip, the Energy Action Plan is uh, what South, South African officials are relying at length on the appointment of the electricity uh, minister. The reforms in the electricity sector um, uh, by removing the red tape in energy generation, um, he believes will bring in those private investors on board, streamlining the regulatory processes, tax incentives for households investing in solar panels to take the pressure off um, the grid, Eskom debt relief, he also thinks, uh, will play a very big part, renewables as well, to address the electricity shortfall. Uh, and he's promised, uh, outside uh, Mandy of the electricity crisis, also promised a number of things. And it reads quite a lot like the SONA address that we saw in February, but I suppose uh, to a bigger audience this time, promising to open up new opportunities for employment, mm. addressing the logistics uh, sector, particularly with a focus on transnet, uh, introducing new visa categories to for, for remote um, for remote workers and reforming the the visa uh, system, the e visa system, crime and corruption, Mandy, to your interest, uh, you know, is also another big thing. Uh, saying that uh, you, you know, admits that there are a couple of uh, incidents that have brought the, the country some embarrassment, but says he's quite confident that police. 
uh, the NPA uh, have a very good system in tackling the arrests, prosecutions and successful convictions. Mm. So there are some bad Mandy, but there's also some good. good. But he says to investors, come to South Africa, we're still a, a viable destination for right. the Nokukanya, thank you. Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter, uh, speaking there about the president's opening address today at that investor conference, uh, trying to convince investors that South Africa is a good place to put their money right now. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.